The Daily Tap is live for Friday. We are going to talk, should you bet your team? We will start with the Packers. We'll move to the Badgers. We'll also talk about NFL and college football. We're also changing the format up a little bit. I think you're going to like it. So enjoy that. We're also going to chat a little bit about David Stern's comments around the Josh Hader trade. Why I have an interesting spin on that. I also have an interesting spin on the Wembenyama a hype, if you will. I definitely want to zag on it. I'm not going to. I promise you I will not. But I do have a zag for the people. Uh, before we get going, just a reminder, we're on social media, Tabby Nikaig on Twitter, Tabby Nikaig Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. Make sure that you are following along on all of those. Also, rate, review, subscribe. We'd really appreciate it. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify. Um, getting the word out as much as we can. We'd love to see that support. Um, I will say there are some giveaways coming. Um, I have to figure out, I have to probably make sure my mom won't be upset about it, honestly. Uh, my mom is a very sentimental person. She's kept a lot of things of mine. Um, so I have a lot of cool shit to maybe give away, or I have extras of things that I think people would be interested in. And I've seen it work where people have used sort of what they have to boost their followers and build a community. And while I kind of think it's weirdly scuzzy, um, I shouldn't say scuzzy, that's the wrong word, but I, I just think it's it's fake, right? Um, but anyways, uh, I still think that's something we could do. So be on the lookout, that might be happening. Uh, I have to go through my memorabilia, see what where I'm gonna put stuff where, and the whole thing, but that's something definitely down the pipeline. All right, let's waste no more time. Let's talk about should you bet your team, Packers, Badgers, yet, I think it's volume four, I wanna say. Um, if it's not volume four, it's volume five. So before you get going, I know that I've been bad at this. I know I have given some awful, awful gambling advice. I think if you listen to me, you would be down in a hole. You wouldn't be doing well if you were just betting on the Packers and Badgers, especially the Badgers. I talked about how confident I was in both of our teams last week, and neither of them covered. Uh, the under did not hit in either game. I believe I liked the under in the Packer Patriots game. I didn't. I think I didn't have a play for the Wisconsin Illinois game. So that sucks, right? That's not good. And I keep doing it. And so the way that, that I'm going to change this up a little bit is instead of recommending, I'm just going to say how I feel about it. Like how do I feel about this certain thing? So we'll talk about Packers minus eight against the Giants. We'll talk about their over under 41 and just how I feel. Where am I leaning? How would I how would I approach this? Why am I approaching this? Giving you sort of the strategy and then it's almost a choose your own adventure at that point. Whether you want to bet it and I am the thing that pushes you over the top, great. Or if you, after listening to me, you're like, you know what? I was going to bet that, but I'm not really sure anymore. Um, which I kind of hate doing. kind of hate talking people out of their bets because I, I do think your gut instinct on gambling is usually your right one and some people can throw you off your gut and then all of a sudden where you were dug in on you're now like eh, I'm not so sure about it so I, I do think there is an element of that but I hope that this is a little bit better we won't be tracking records mostly just tracking like how I felt about the game and maybe also to some of the Last week will play into how I consider this week, especially for Wisconsin. But let's start with the Green Bay Packers. They are an eight-point favorite in London against the New York Giants. The over-under is 41. 
Not surprising with the lack of scoring. The over-under numbers are all very low. I will say I know what we saw with Colts-Broncos. It was an absolute clusterfuck, complete disaster. But I do think there is a case to be made to maybe start taking some overs and start looking at it like at some point these offenses are going to figure this out. They're going to figure out the two-safety look and they're going to succeed and they're going to win. And it's only a matter of time where you'll start seeing the overs all of a sudden come back because it's the law of large numbers. The question is, when do you hit it? And the question is, do you find those good area of, areas of opportunity or are you do you wait till kind of the first wave and you're like, holy shit, nine out of the 12 games went over on Sunday, just using Sunday as a proxy. I think there's more games played, but you get my, you get my drift, right? That's kind of where I'm going at. So anyways, we're going to talk first about the spread though. Um, and for the Packers confidence in covering the eight, I'm a medium high on that. So I, here's why. Like, I like what Green Bay brings to the table when it comes to running game. All right. We know that the Giants can't stop the run. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon should eat. They should both have massive games. I have no problem if you are in a state where you can see him game parlay and you put AJ, you put an A.J. Dillon touchdown, Aaron Jones yards prop, and a Packers money line win. Like I think you could net that out. Like I think that's a great bet to make because they are going to be able to run this football. And Aaron Rodgers is all in on running the ball. Like you heard him on Pat McAfee this week. He talked about how much he loves the fact they can run the football. And I also do think the Packers are going to hit on some big plays down the field as well. The reason why, Wink Martindale, a very old school defensive coordinator, true red ass in all sense of the words, Martindale does not give a fuck about the too high safety look. Martindale still will run a lot of single safety. He's going to blitz the hell out of you. Aaron Rodgers thrives on the blitz. You saw what he did to Tampa Bay. He absolutely tore up Tampa Bay through the blitz. And then when Bulls stopped blitzing, that's when the offense started to sputter in the second half. Remember, the Packers were an Aaron Jones fumble away from being up 21-3 to in that football game. And they could have easily blown Tampa Bay out, similarly to what we saw with Kansas City. So with that said, I do think there are some big play opportunities available. Like, I would not be surprised if Christian Watson gets a deep ball early. Like if they go back to that well, or they go with a deep post to Romeo Dobbs, I think those plays are going to be there with the way Martindale runs his defense. Now that means they do have to keep Aaron Rodgers upright. That's very important. They can gain, the Giants can definitely game wreck. Dexter Lawrence has played really, really well as an interior lineman. Uh, they have the two young guys on the edge, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau and I can't pronounce. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the Georgia Georgia edge. I apologize. I won't do. I won't do his name wrong by completely butchering his name. I've got myself into trouble before with that. When I was I was uh, play a PA for basketball and I could not pronounce this kid's name. I think it was Javante or no, it was Kevante. That's right. It's like Kevante and. I think I said, I think it's actually, I probably butchered it now. Maybe it's Kiavante. I don't know. I was totally in my head. Like I had the yips, like his mom was yelling at me. It was fucking rough, man. But anyway, so I'm not going to do that to the Georgia edge. But yeah, I mean, they do have guys that can blitz and they could make Aaron Rodgers' life a little tougher, but he's thrived on the blitz. And maybe this is the time you, you have the defense step up and 
they load the box. I think the worry about the cover, where you're like, how do they not cover the gate? It's because Joe Barry is so stubborn and he will not bring bring guys forward and try to shut down the run. Like that's the part that you need Joe Barry. You need a little more blitzing. Joe Barry's not blitzing at all. Like the Packers just do not do it. So that's where I'm a little bit hesitant on like going all in on this and being like, yes, this is a top bet. You gotta make this. Like this will be it. This is one that I will have at the top of top of my like list when I'm looking at what I'm gonna put down on Sunday. I probably will bet it, I'll be honest. But I think I'll feel much better about like putting the Packers in a tease with the Cardinals and the Jaguars, or not the Cardinals, the 49ers and the Jaguars, or putting the Packers in a money line parlay with you could do those same teams. Usually I don't like to combine. If I do that for a money line parlay, I want to do it for a tease. I'm trying to think of other teasable options. Uh, I don't know how I feel about Bengals Ravens. So that one out. <sighs> trying to think. Uh, I, I'm kind of leaning the Jets on Sunday. I really am. I actually think the Jets are going to be a harder point for the Packers. But we'll talk about it next week. Um, so maybe I definitely would put a cow, the Cowboys in a tease. 49ers in a tease. No brainer. Uh, Packers and a tease, no brainer. Uh, pr- maybe the under the over tease down for the the Patriots and Lions that would get down to thirty nine, I believe. I believe that over under is forty five, which is way too low. Um, so, anyways, but regardless of the fact, like I like the Packers with the spread. Like I said, medium high. I think when I say medium high, it probably means I'm going to bet it. Um, and we'll work on classifications. I almost was like going to do stake ratings, but then I'm like, that's not really Wisconsin. Could we do it sort of a beer rating? Is it a full beer? Is it a half beer? Is it an empty beer? Maybe that's what we do. I don't know. I will workshop it. I usually have good birdies who give me ideas um, after they listen to stuff. They're like, hey, have you thought about it this way? Um, so we'll see. As for the over-under, um, I think with the way I'm talking about how I think the Packers can score a lot of points in here, I'm medium here. So I'm like a half beer, right? Like I, I don't see this as much of a defensive struggle as the number portrays. I think this is more of looking at the first four games than looking forward. I think Vegas is not factoring in what the Packers did in that second half against the New England Patriots. Like I felt like I started to see a lot of things click, and we'll see if that's confirmed or denied on Sunday. Uh, I just I could see a lot of points from the Packers, and I would not be shocked. He provides some scoring for the Giants, and the Giants are able to put up some points in their own right. Yeah, I think this goes way over. I could see 35-14 for the Packers, which would easily clear that over uh, for of 41. So yeah, medium on that, but feeling a little bit better about it as I talked it out and thought through it. Moving on to the Wisconsin Badgers. Now, the Wisconsin Badgers are a thorn in my side. Uh, the Wisconsin Badgers, I've been wrong on every week that we have done this. Illinois State, I was like, all right, take the over because it's 41 and the Badgers are favored by 38. They only, they win 38 to nothing. No, it doesn't, doesn't cover. Very confident that Wisconsin would be better than Washington State. Uh, they were 17-point favorites. I was like, Wisconsin's a good team. Washington State still has to build. They have all these transfer portal guys. Badgers lose outright. Then you had New Mexico State. I didn't touch that game. I think I said team total under for New Mexico State, which was two and a half. New Mexico State scores a touchdown at the very end. That one was the over opportunity. That one was the miss. So if you continue on my terribleness, I thought the Badgers could keep it close against Ohio State. I also said take the under. Both were completely 
and utterly wrong. And then Illinois, I felt good about Illinois, minus six and a half. So I'm banning myself from betting on Wisconsin Badgers at least for this week, if not for two weeks, because I clearly have not been able to read this team. And sometimes you have to know when to walk away, right? You have to know when to leave that blackjack table and say, all right, I am not, this is not working. And and that's a good one to back away from, right? It's it's one of those that you got to introspectively look in and say, all right, this is, this is a team that just stays away. It's a graveyard team. Anyways, they're a 10-point favorite against Northwestern. Uh, they are at Ryan Field, a place that has been a house of horrors. I have a stat on that here uh, momentarily. But I'm very low on Wisconsin minus 10. Uh, they've been terrible all year. I, like I said, I've been terrible all year. So I need to see it first. Like I need to see Wisconsin take care of business, beat some ass. I might even need to see it against Michigan State before I'm laying any sort of points with against Purdue uh, the week after. Usually, though, there is a coach bump. Like, it's a real thing. You get rid of your coach, all of a sudden, like, basically everything falls off. You keep, you win games you're not supposed to. Like, look at Georgia Tech last week. Georgia Tech, I think, was a 22 or 23-point 23 point dog at Pittsburgh. They win outright for their coach, Brent Pry. Or not Brent Pry. It's like Brent Fry. There's a Brent Pry and a Brent Fry. It makes things very difficult in the ACC. But regardless, Georgia Tech got the win. And I'm staying away based on how poor I've been with Wisconsin. But I could see how somebody would want to bet the Badgers because of the Jim Leonard bump. I could see how someone would want to throw the Badgers in a tease and get them down to, you know, four. Or if you want to go seven, you get them down to, to three. Like, I could definitely see a case for those type of things. Like, I, I don't, I guess I don't disagree with you if you did that. But I just look at it like I am snake bidding against this team. I am not going to try to force one in because it doesn't, it just doesn't make any sense for me. Over under is 44. I, I actually, I kind of like the over here. I know that's crazy. Um, probably a little more than I expected to. Um, I'm still low on it because of what I said with the Badgers. But I, I think that there is, there's a chance there for the Badgers to have some points. Northwestern doesn't have much defensively. Uh, Southern Illinois, what hung, they hung over 30 on them as a FCS team. Uh, I know the last two have been unders for Northwestern, but you can score on them. And I wouldn't be surprised if Wisconsin gets it rolling with Mertz and Braylon Allen. And all of a sudden they have 38 points to Northwestern's 10. And then there's your over, right? Um, Northwestern, too, has a decent offense. Uh, Ryan Holinsky can sling the ball a little bit, which could be trouble for the secondary. So that's all to say. I think the over, I think the over has potential. I really do. I, I know it's, it's not common. I think the last 10 Wisconsin-Northwestern games, the under is 8-2. Is and two. So I, I get it. Like I, I get if you want to go under. But I just see more points just because – Northwestern's defense is a little porous. Wisconsin's defense is a little porous. I think when you combine two porous defenses together, that's usually a good sign for the over. The other stat I had is that Wisconsin is 1-9 against the spread in their last 10 games at Ryan Field. So something to think about. Maybe you just include the Badgers as part of a three-team parlay or something. I don't know. I'm telling you, man, I would not touch this one. Just let it happen. Let's see what, what transpires in that game. Because I think you'll have a better idea of who the Badgers are. And then where do you go from 
a wager perspective going forward and how do you handicap them? I think you have a better idea next week and see where it goes. And then that also is another place where Wisconsin has not played well and in at Michigan State. Moving on to some other betting thoughts with the NFL and college football that are not Badger Pack related. As for the NFL, I actually really like this slate. Probably too much. Um, usually when you really like a slate, it usually doesn't go well for you. I love the Cowboys. I like the Cowboys spread. I like the Cowboys money line. I, I will be putting the Cowboys in a lot of things. Uh, I like the Niners. Uh, I just think that's going to be a massacre of a game for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, the Niners defense has been absolutely juggernauts. It scares me to death. Um, but I do like San Francisco a lot. I like Tennessee. I've been telling you guys for, I think, two weeks that Washington is the worst team in football, and Vegas is still pricing Washington like they could win eight or nine games. It's ridiculous. Um, the, the lack of disrespect Tennessee's getting, um, you know, they, they've figured it out, man, and that's kind of what a good coach does. And Mike Vrabel continues to show himself as one of the best in NFL. And then lastly, the Atlanta Falcons. I, I, you got to bet against Brady's divorce. Like, that game is going to be close. I know they've waxed the Falcons before, but I don't think you can trust Tampa with a spread over seven. I also like the Bears. Um, Bears are a team that's seven and a half against the Vikings. Vikings can't stop the run at all. Um, they've really struggled with that. That's all the Bears want to do, right? Then on top of that, you have the London hangover. Now, the ATS there is 2-2-1, two, two, and one, so it hasn't really like shown out that this is a big deal. But... It was a pretty emotional game. I could see a little bit of a hangover when you're ready to play your rivals. As for college football, there's some things I like, uh, but it, it was kind of digging through the dumpster. I like LSU. Uh, I think LSU at home. LSU's, I think, a little bit better than people are making them out to be because they still are holding a grudge against Brian Kelly, which is odd. And they get this Tennessee team that is all they're going to be thinking about is Alabama. They have Alabama at home. There's probably a chance that game day would show back up at Knoxville. Um, I, I just think there it's such a look-ahead spot, and I think LSU is in such good position here. I love LSU in that matchup. Other teams I like, I like Auburn plus the 30 against Georgia. Like, SEC games don't usually go past 30. Like, that's Vanderbilt shit. I know Auburn's terrible, but that's one, as Big Cat likes to say, you hold your nose and you take um, I also like Kansas State a ton at Iowa State. Um, keep fading Iowa State. I guess the the one part of that where maybe I think a little bit differently is Iowa State meet is like in must-win territory. So does Iowa State come out with a fury and a passion and beat Kansas State because they, you know, they're one and a half point favorite. I think Kansas State's a one and a half point favorite. And maybe the line's low because they're expecting Iowa State to kind of rise from the ashes. Matt Campbell has been a brutal coach within games where the spread's three or less. It's The record is ugly. So that also leans me more to Kansas State. Speaking of Kansas, the Kansas conundrum um, is just very running rampant in my head. So TCU is a six and a half point favorite. They're heading to Kansas. Game day is going to be there. But... Everything tells you about TCU, right? The Kansas story is great. 
Um, it's been an awesome story for college football. It's probably been, honestly, one of the best sports stories of the last six weeks. I know Judge has like the stranglehold on that, but I, I do think it's a really cool, fun story of a older coach, you know, living the life and being the hottest name in, in sports. Now it seems like Leipold's going to get a contract extension from Kansas today. Um, their AD tweeted out like, "Stay tuned for big news." And so heading into game day to keep sort of the fan base alive. Now they've sold out their three three straight home games, so there there's a lot of buzz with Kansas. So could TCU just ruin the party? TCU has looked awesome. They were great against Oklahoma. They were really good against SMU. Can they ruin the party? I don't know, man. Like, I get the TCU side. Like, I fully get it. Kansas has played nobody. We keep hearing, like, who has Kansas played? And at some point, maybe you just believe that Kansas is actually a 9 or 10 win football team. And it doesn't matter. Like, I... I, I think if TCU's favored by four, four and a half, I'm probably taking TCU. But seven just feels like a lot of points for a game that could be a shootout. And usually in a shootout, I like to take the points because that that just means that it could end 59-58 and then you get the points. So we'll see. Um, I, I'll let the people know where I end up going there. Other two, I like Illinois. Um, I know they just beat the Badgers. I know that was an emotional win. Playing Iowa at home, night game, probably a reignited fan base as well. Um, give me Illinois on that one. And then UNC on the road against Miami. I think they're three-point dogs. Drake May is really good. I just think Miami is still like a year away from a year away. Um, we see it every year with Miami. Um, I would imagine that if I'm talking about my dog parlay, LSU and North Carolina are both in it, but we'll see. You know, I'm sure there are other potential diamonds in the rough that exist. All right, let's move on to a couple of the other non-weekend-related topics. David Stearns made some comments today about the Josh Hader trade. I thought they were very interesting. Here's what David Stearns said per Brian D. of WTMJ. I believe he's of TMJ, he might be of... Uh, good karma, but regardless of the fact, it was a good quote and Brian delivered it. And I appreciate that. I appreciate Brian for tweeting it out. Here's what, here's what it said. It had an impact on our team. There's no question about it. Probably a larger impact than I was anticipating when we made the trade. I should have done a better job to help us get through that. Stearns also noted that he and council are probably going to be back next season. So my conspiracy theory doesn't seem to be bearing out. But anyways, as for the comment, I know a lot of fans want to jump down his throat. If you look at the quote tweets, if you look at the replies, it's like, where the fuck was this? Like, how the fuck did you not know? You are the general manager. Raw, 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 raw. Classic pinhead bullshit, right? David Stern's a robot. David Stern's is an analytical, I won't say genius, but he's really, really smart. And he's very analytically sound. Everything is based off analytics, okay? And when you're like that, you have a chance, you struggle to show empathy. You just do. You, you struggle to show sympathy. You struggle to understand how emotions are because you make decisions based on numbers and you're a little bit emotionless while the guys in the clubhouse are ripped up that their best friend got traded in the case of Corbin Barrett's. 
And I think what needed to happen was literally one-on-one sit-downs with every player that mattered and said, here's why we're doing it. Here's what we see. And like literally let them into, into what was going on. And, and I do wonder if this is a turning point for the Brewers in general in their front office. Because it's I hate cross-sports comparisons. I, I truly, truly hate them. Because it's not apples to oranges, right? Or apples to apples, excuse me. It is apples to oranges. Um, it just doesn't work. But Aaron Rodgers, remember, flamed the Packer front office last July. Went off on this tangent. It was an all-time day on Twitter. Everybody was going nuts. And then it seemed like Aaron and Brian rebuilt their relationship. And Brian let Aaron in on more things and let Aaron have more of an involvement in the stuff that the Green Bay Packers were doing. And that was a huge, or I'm sorry, the, yeah, the Green Bay Packers. I was like, I was like sometimes I'll do that where I'm talking about like the Brewers and Packers, whatever. So anyways, that was a huge step forward. So I think... This could be a wake-up call for David Stearns. This could be one where David Stearns says, all right, if I'm going to trade Corbin Burns, I need to have explanations. I have to need to tell people why we're trading Corbin Burns and have them understand. I don't think that's going to happen, but I think Stearns, again, learned his his lesson. Like, that's a lesson learned from David Stearns. And it's a good one. It really is. It's a very good lesson to learn and it's something that happens to analytical people when you don't have the sympathy and you don't have that in your in your repertoire you sometimes can freeze out and sometimes be like why are all these people mad at me like what did i do i did, did something that i think is going to help the team in the long run so we'll see we'll see what happens there um and we'll see if maybe again this is sort of the inflection point of sort of Stearns and his relationship with the Brewers or the not the Brewers organization but the Brewers players all right last topic before we bounce out of here Victor Wabinyama has been all the hype everywhere um, on Twitter um, whether it's NBA or general when Binyama is 7-4 he is an absolute freak he does so much on the basketball court he is extremely fun to watch and he feels like as much of a surefire prospect as anyone we've seen probably since Zion. So that said, I cannot take Bucks fans who are trying to insert themselves into the conversation. You could call it being character syndrome. You could call it anything you want. There's a guy who I think his name's like Irresponsibly Horse or something like that. Had a tw- tweet poll that said, would you rather the Bucks win a championship or miss the playoffs and get Wemby? Now, T.I. Winch, who is a Bucks blogger or and podcaster, was like, oh, I would, I would do this. I don't think these people are serious. Like, these people do not watch ball, all right? Like, it is very difficult to win a title. And you have a team that can win a title. You take that every day of the fucking week. Because you know why? It's really hard to win a title. It's really difficult. These things do not come off trees. Just because if the Bucks were to tank out and Bucks were to lose a bunch of games and they get Wembenyama paired up with Giannis, that does not mean that they're going to win championships. That It really doesn't. It really, truly doesn't. Because we don't know with prospects. And Wembenyama is 7-2 and above. 
And those guys have had foot problems, and they have not been able to recover from them. Sean Bradley, George Marison. Uh, I'm forgetting one that's obvious. I mean, Bill Walton is 7-1, but you, you get the picture, right? And so can Wembenyama stay healthy and be on... Porzingis was the other one. Porzingis for sure. Like, can he stay healthy? I don't know. I think that's a, I think it's a great question. And to go back to the poll, it's like I just don't understand how you can be that selfish and not want another title to think that this French guy is going to bring you 10 more. And I also, like, hot take, aren't the Bucks a team that maybe makes more sense for Scoot Henderson? Like, they they don't really, they have wings that are older. I don't buy into, like, that Middleton and Drew or grandpas or anything. But I do think if you got a guy like Scoot Henderson, it works on a succession plan. So it's actually interesting enough that I don't think they need Wembenyama. I think Henderson would suit them better, but I, I understand the hype around it. I just don't want to sacrifice titles. If anything, if I was doing that poll question, my question would be, would you rather win a title or have Wembenyama stay out of the East? I still think you go with the title. Again, I think that the title is the Pantheon. You, you won it. Maybe it's you appear in the finals, so you don't know if you win or not. Or keeping Wembenyama out of the East. That that makes things a little more interesting because it's like, all right, I don't not guaranteed a title here. I'm guaranteed a title shot. But who's on the other side? We don't know that, right? So that's that's kind of where you get to it, where it's yeah, I don't have I think having Wembenyamba in the East would be a lot of fun. It would build a rivalry between him and Giannis. The question is, which team would it be? Would it be the Washington Wizards? Big market. Definitely could market the hell out of what Wembenyamba is. Could it be the Indiana Pacers? Um, you know, home of basketball. The pro scene has not really been the same since Reggie Miller in the early aughts, Wembenyama immediately revives that. San Antonio, oh, not, I'm saying the East. The Spurs are definitely a team worth mentioning. Charlotte Hornets, um, that would give Michael Jordan a lot more ammo. Um, and it may, you know, LaMelo and Victor Wembenyama would be pretty, pretty special. So I think that's my list. Like, I, I obviously am not factoring in New York or Boston or if even Brooklyn, who could backslide and struggle, I'm not, I'm not going to do that just yet. So I understand the Wembenyamba hype. Do not sacrifice titles for it. It's hard to win titles, I promise you. Um, I would not recommend that at all. All right, that does it for today's show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We will we'll be back tomorrow. Or not tomorrow, sorry. We'll be back Monday. Uh, we'll break down Packers-Giants. We'll talk Badgers-Northwestern. Maybe a little MLB playoffs. Um, I didn't do the rooting guide on the podcast. I apologize. Let's rip through it real quick here. Playoff rooting guide is pretty simple in the NL. It is the New York Mets. It's the Atlanta Braves. It's the Philadelphia Phillies. The San Diego Padres. It's the Los Angeles Dodgers and the St. Louis Cardinals. That's the list. And the reason why is because, first of all, the Mets bring a lot of noise. I can't have the Padres win. I can't have the Cardinals win. I can't have the Dodgers win. 
So it's an era of elimination, and that's where I landed on the Mets. And the Braves are as high as they are because they're a fucking fun team to watch. Like, if you don't enjoy watching the Braves, you have dump in your pants. So that's NL. AL, maybe let's start worst to first. I have put the Yankees last. Um, no, actually, I'm going to put the Astros last. So I'm going to put the Astros ahead of the Yankees. The reason why is because we've seen this from the Astros. They've been, the, I think, the last four World Series. Enough is enough. Let's get some new blood in here. So that's why the Astros are last. Number two, I will probably go with the New York Yankees. Um, it's just, you know, we all cheer against the Yankees in October who aren't Yankees fans. It is like cheering against Alabama. It's just a lot of fun. Even if you bet it, even if you bet it, um, you still can have a lot of fun. And then the other teams really quick because I, I got to go. Um, after the Yankees, Tampa Bay Rays. So a little zag here. Like I think the Rays have ruined baseball for a lot of small markets. Everyone's like, oh, give me the Rays. It just doesn't, it never fucking works out. So Rays are my next pick. After that, I'll probably go with the Blue Jays. Um, I don't like to give Toronto anything. Blue Jays are a fun team to watch. I'd love to have them in the postseason. Bring back some Joe Card memories. Seattle, two. Um, and then the Guardians, one. I love those Zach Guardians team. They're a sneaky one for me. So, all right. Take care of yourself. Have a great Friday. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye.